Blog Talk Radio. Security, condition three. Thank you. Security three, sir. Zero forty-three. Intruder alert. GQ three. Intruder alert. Yes, doorman, you better keep watching that door, and you better stay here, because I don't like the press coming around here for the wrong reasons, if you know what I'm saying. Hey, everybody, good evening, and welcome once again to Madame Perry's Salon, the podcast with more celebrities than the inauguration. And I am so happy to be here again. i got to thank you again. I have to thank everyone that's listening and subscribing and sharing and downloading uh, this podcast, because thanks to you, I'm able to get even more cool guests like I've had recently, like I've got coming up, like I've got tonight, as well as good sponsors, and it's very exciting to me. Um, I'm thoroughly enjoying this, and it's all thanks to you. So I can keep entertaining you because you keep listening and sharing and subscribing and downloading, which is free to download, free to subscribe. Uh, And you can also subscribe to to this podcast through Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Player FM, Stitcher, Blueberry. Uh, there's a few others I don't even know about. I keep finding that, incidentally, they carry it. And I get my peak listeners on the weekend, but I understand that because I, the, the podcast that I listen to, I usually listen to them on the weekend. And, and that's cool, too, because podcast people, we don't have to... We don't have to uh, be competitive. We can all support each other, and that's good. Hey, recently we had uh, Jasper Bark uh, from uh, our favorite Londoner, Jasper Bark, talking about his new books, uh, new horror book and graphic novel. Also, thanks to everybody that's commented, that participated and commented on the uh, on this year's Halloween special, because uh, Mark West, a videographer in uh, in Los Angeles that I met at a client's at client Jennifer Irwin's uh, book launch in Redondo Beach recently. He was uh, one of the characters, co-hosts, as well as actor Duffy Odom, who many people knew from acting in Atlanta, as well as he did two seasons as a uh, co-host with Fred Willard on Comedy Central. Uh, Duffy Odom was on there. With, we had uh, stories from New Zealand thriller author Lee Murray and of course Jasper Bark and we had music from Kelly Dwyer, Poplock Holmes, uh, Valentine Wolf and it's just it's just like getting better. You make me feel like the luckiest gal in the world. Tomorrow night I've got Ricky Bird. You may know him as a musician with uh, Joan Jett and several other bands and he's got a new CD out called Clean Getaway. It's mostly about um, his sobriety, his recovery from alcohol, drug, opioid um, addiction, so forth, and the CD is great. I mean, it starts out of the gate, fantastic, and it's uh, it's got all kind of good stuff on it. Also, on Thursday night, my guest is Donald Stenson. Donald Stenson, <laughs> he right out of college, he was an intern in the White House during the Nixon administration, which means that as a young kid, he got a ringside seat to Watergate and all that, and he's written a book about it. Very funny. So you're going to love that. Also, too, uh, thanks to everyone who's supporting my uh, my clients, Anthony Sharp, who you know from Miss Fisher's Murder Mysteries. He plays Cease, and also from his music, and my client, author Jennifer Irwin, and uh, – I've just come off the road of the first leg of her book tour. Her book, Address the Color of the Sky, which will be filmed soon. Uh, right now, we just launched the ebook Kindle, and you can get that for today and tomorrow for $1.99 on Amazon. But right now, I've got to introduce a musician whom 
who is if if you don't know this woman, she's going to leave a place in your heart and your soul with her music and her songs. Uh, she's she just she just gives her soul and her life to the music, to the live music. Uh, she's fronted her own band, plays multiple instruments and others. She plays guitar, mandolin, bass, banjo. Uh, she's shared the stage with some of your favorite artists: Patti Smith, Indigo Girls, Hootie and the Blowfish. George is a bass player for Cowboy Mouth, uh, guitar and mandolin for Paul Sanchez and the Rolling Road Show, and a banjo player for Roxy Watson, guitar player for STP. There's nothing this woman can't do. She's a prolific songwriter. She's got, she officially released three solo albums in uh, 2006, 12, and 14, three with Roxy Watson, one with Paul Sanchez and the Rolling Road Show, uh, an EP and an album with Herman Put Down the Gun an album with Cowboy Matt. I could just go on and on, but I just want to go ahead and get her right in here with us right now. Um, I love this woman, and I can't wait for you to hear something from her brand new CD called Now Please. Welcome into Madam Perry Salon, Sonia Tedlow. Sonia, come on in. Come on in. Hey there. How are you doing? I am doing great, so great. I am so uh, proud. You know, I have been a fan and followed you for, I don't know if you want me to tell you how, tell how long we've, I've known you or since I first heard you, but. It's uh, okay. Everybody knows I'm old. (laughs) 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 Me too, but I just prefer to say I'm a vampire. That's all. I just kind of keep going on and on and on. Mm. So, um. but I am just so proud to have watched, listened to your music, listened to uh, from the very beginning. You know, it just enchanted me and enthralled me. And then to follow your career and the work that you've done and see how your your uh, your talent and your career and your audience and your fans have grown has, has just been fascinating. And I'm so proud of you and proud for you. And now you've got a um, brand new CD. I do, and thank you and so I much for mean, having me on your show and, and that very, very gracious introduction. To, you know. um, but yeah, I've got a brand new record. I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Now, I understand. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions about that, but then, you know, anything else you want to talk about? You know, we kind of go organic on here. And, by the way, if you're listening live and you want to call in and talk to, I guess, the number is 646-716-9922. And just feel free to give us a call. And let's see. So, so to start off with, the, your CD is called Now. And I understand mm-hmm. that, uh, well, I was going to ask you what, because I know that the name of a CD or an album is very important to an artist. There's always a meaning for it. And I want to know that. But I understand that there was a different, um, I heard that there was a different working title for the record with the story behind it. So can you tell us a little bit about both of those things? Sure. Um I'll start with the working title first. So uh, a couple of years ago, I made a change in my life, and um, I went to school, and uh, I, when I got out of school, I got a job, and um, I had never had a job that was uh, straight-laced like that before, and I had this sort of, um, I won't say adverse, but sort of adverse reaction to it, and um, and so because I almost always have my travel guitar on me, I would go at lunchtime and I would sit in the back of my car and play my travel guitar and just like regain my sanity and feel like myself again. And so I ended up writing a bunch of songs in the backseat of the car. And so I think about four of them made it onto the record. So for a while I was thinking that I might call the record the lunchtime sessions since um, (laughs) (laughs) I essentially would go and have a lunchtime session every day, you know? Um, But then with the, you know, I was, I was very intentional about wanting to limit the number of songs on the album. I wanted it to be 10. I want, I very much wanted this to be an album. I know it's a format that um, is less used now, I think is you know, digital music and singles and stuff, but I still, I still like it as it's kind of like, I guess a novel versus a short story. And I wanted this to feel like an album. And um, as such, I wanted it to have an arc and, and not be too long where you'd finish it and you'd want to listen again. And so, um, as I was putting together the the ten songs that um, would be on it, I ended up writing more songs, and so I ended up bumping um, some of the ones that I thought would be on there. And the, the last one that I wrote, actually, that made it onto the record, is actually a song called "Now." And so that made me 
think about, you know, perhaps it would be a title, but it was more when I um, was typing up all the lyrics for the liner notes in the, the CD booklet that I really reflected on the content um, of the songs and what they were about to me. And I realized that a lot of them really had to do with a sense of time and sort of looking back um, and wading through things and sort of reconciling with things in the past in order to uh, live in the moment, be present in the moment. And so um, it was because of that that I decided to name the record now because it seemed like the culmination of, of um, the songs that are on the record and, and the goal, really, of, of trying to just be present in the moment and embrace it and, and feel grateful for it and not waste it. Oh, I like that. I like lunchtime sessions, too, because I think there's a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of us. I know when, um, oh, gosh, I think it was back around, actually around 2000. Uh, it's probably my last straight-up office job that I was working, and it was in Norcross, Georgia. And I remembered I would go to my car and eat lunch, and then I would see that there were other people in the parking lot that would go just to be alone to read because mm-hmm. if you anybody that loves to read knows that if you're in an office and you go to the break room and you have a book somebody's going to think that that's an invitation that that's a sign that says i'm lonely please talk right, to me right all i've got is a book right. all i got is a book in my sandwich same book every day you know mm-hmm. so and uh or when i was going to georgia state at that time too then i would also go sit out there and do my homework read so yeah the, i think a, i think a lot of people can identify with that and uh yeah Probably like we all look up, look at other cars. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say I think it's kind of if you're, especially if you're a writer, I think it's important to to have some some solid some time to yourself and solitude to really to just I don't know. It's like when your mind can flex itself in a different way and um and be open to the muse or I don't know. I I find it very essential to have some to have time. (laughs) Once again, oh gosh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> some time, some solitude, yeah. Um, for people who are, have just have become or are new to your music, who haven't followed you for years like some of the rest of us have, um, why don't you could you just sort of share with, a little bit with them about your musical journey from Sonia Tetlow Band, Cal- so much going on, but if you could just kind of give us a little uh, a little trip to this, escort sure. through it. Sure, it's fun. I actually did this little uh, countdown on Facebook, going with like, on, or I guess it was Instagram, doing this counting down the years um, through the days, and so it's all fresh in my mind. <laughs> um, but, oh, I, I mean, when I when I started out, I just you know I was in college, like most kids, trying to figure out my way, and I, I went to see a um, Melissa Etheridge concert at the Sanger in New Orleans. Um, some friends invited me, and it was the first time I'd ever seen a woman on stage with a guitar playing rock and roll. And um, it just, it changed my life. Like a light bulb went off and I was like, that's it. That's what I've been looking for. And I went out the next day and I bought a um, guitar and a chord book and showed up at my friend Brian Terry's house. Um, Cause he had a guitar too. And I said, okay, let's practice. You know, let's be a band. And so at the beginning, um, I, you know, I was full of, energy and passion and really needed it. I mean, in a lot of ways, it kind of was a salvation, but I was really not very good at all. I mean, I had been a writer. I've been a writer since as long as I can remember, but I wasn't a musician. And so, you know, when I first moved to Atlanta and was starting out, I mean, I just was, um, I was very poetic, but I was um, (laughs) very loud and angsty. And I mean, God bless people like Sylvia from Sylvia's Art of the Century and, you know, Perry and Marsh at Rainy Day Records who saw through all the noise to um, the the artist within and gave me um, opportunities to play and sort of cut my teeth. But it really wasn't until STB when um, uh, I started playing with Becky Shaw on drums and and uh, Lee Kennedy on bass and, and switched to electric guitar. And then we were like this punk rock trio and it was a much better context for the kind of songs I was writing and the the ethos of it all um and that was the first band that actually did well that we you know we did a couple records and we got the tour up and down the east coast and open for Patti Smith and um and really you know it was just sort of this 
musical exploration because we were just kind of making it up as we went along because I still didn't know what I was doing, but um, I just, I guess I was getting better at it as I went. And, and playing with Lee and Becky was always such fun. I mean, we just all clicked. There was, you know, there was something there. Um, but when that band, we ended up breaking up when um, Becky was starting a family and Lee got hired by Michelle Malone to be her touring bass player and because I was so young and inexperienced, I thought that that meant that we couldn't be a band anymore. Because it's like, you know, it's kind of like you're all in it. It's mm-hmm. like the band or di- or death. <laughs> so I was like, oh, well, if you're going to try to have a full life, I guess we can't be a band. So um, that was, uh, again, I was young and naive. But anyway, so that was the end of STB. And then I was sort of trying to figure out what to do next. And, and um my friend Rob Gal had encouraged me to get an M-Box, which was in, back in the day it was innovative, but this little interface where you could actually, you know, play around with recording. It was it was like the the digital version of a four-track where you could actually um, mm-hmm. work up dem- demos and stuff. And so I started playing all these different instruments, um, you know, like just whatever I could to try to flush out the demos and and um, and you know, just find my way, really, because I, I really, you know, didn't know what I was doing personally or professionally. But anyways, because of that, because I was playing bass, sort of out of the blue, my friend Mary LeSang, who was playing bass with Cowboy Mouse um, and needed to get off the road, asked me if I'd ever thought about playing bass. And I said, well, I have been playing bass, but just in my house. And and um, I think it was within two weeks, Fred LeBlanc had came over and we jammed and then they asked me to fill in for Mary in Biloxi because she, she couldn't do a gig. And then they offered me the full-time gig, you know. And so suddenly, like within two weeks, I was suddenly a, a bass player on a tour bus <laughs> driving around the country playing in a rock band, which was awesome. <laughs> nothing nothing will get you out of a depression faster than that, let me tell you. <laughs> really? So, okay. Yes. We'll so call that, that was, a testimony. I, mean, I feel like I'm being... I feel like I'm being long-winded, but I did that for a few years. And, no, um, um, You know, it was really – when I joined them, it was sort of this incredible time. I didn't know it at the time because I had no, no, nothing to compare it to. But, they, um, you know, they had been a band together for, I think, like 14, 13, 14 years by that time. And they'd been through a lot. And mm-hmm. they were in this at this point where they were starting to work on Voodoo Shop – um, the album that they put out in was it 2005 or 2006, and they were trying mm-hmm. to intentionally like collaborate together and be supportive of one another. And so that's the environment that I came into, and they sort of embraced me. You know, they knew I was a writer, and um, and so we, you know, collaborated. I ended up, you know, co-writing several of the songs that that made it on the album, and and it was great. And then Hurricane Katrina came through and devastated New Orleans, and of course it's you know, to New Orleans band. And so um, it just, it it changed everything in that there was a lot of sadness and loss that folks were experiencing. Like Paul and his wife, Shelly, literally lost everything that they had that they didn't have on the bus with them, you know, and we had friends who lost family members. And so it was this intense time, but it also gave this sense of purpose and meaning to us going around the country and playing shows because there were so many people who were scattered around the country because they couldn't go back home. And so they would come to the the shows looking for a taste of New Orleans. And it was, it was incredible and very humbling to be able to be a part of something that meant so much to, to people in that moment. And for that, I will always be forever grateful as well. Um, um, you know, and, and the thing about life is like things just sort of, there's an ebb and flow to things. And, and by the end of 2006, things were changing with the band and the vibe was different and they, they weren't collaborating and it sort of shifted. Paul Sanchez ended up leaving the band. And, um, and I realized that, you know, because the thing that, that I primarily enjoy and really am, am compelled to do is, is to write songs and, uh, and but I didn't have that outlet anymore in the band. And because we toured so much, I mean, it really was all-encompassing. I mean, you're sort of on the bus. And talk about not really having an opportunity to have any space to yourself or, or um, downtime, it, you know. I just realized that probably it was time for me to, to move on, too, if I was going to continue to grow 
as a musician, as a writer. And so I stepped away from the band and um, came back to Atlanta, ended up working at the same music shop that I worked at before I uh, joined the band at Earthshaking Music. Thank you, Dave Strohauer. Um, you know, and then it started, you know, I just started my own thing. I started Herman Put Down the Gun with uh, Lee Kennedy on bass and Linda Bowley on drums and um, ended up picking up a banjo and sitting in with my friends, and that became Roxy Watson. And so, you know, it just sort of launched me out to the next thing, and then Paul started um, – you know, doing his own thing in New Orleans and, and forming the Rolling Road Show, which is this sort of loose affiliation of whoever can be there for the gig or he brings on for the gig. And it was so fun. I mean, and so all these, so I ended up playing all these different kinds of music all at the same time, like very different music. Herman Put Down the Gun was a rock and roll band. Roxy Watson was a bluegrass Americana band. And then Paul Sanchez and the Rolling Road Show was a New Orleans band with horns and all, all sorts of shenanigans and so um i just really feel like in that time i just was growing by leaps and bounds and and um you know somewhere along the way in all of this i turned myself into a musician so from the uh <laughs> angsty little angsty little kid with the uh banging on the acoustic guitar i uh somehow somehow became a musician and um <laughs> so and then you know go ahead no, you got to keep going because, see, this is the kind of thing I hear from a lot, so many musicians that, that there's sometimes that one phone call or that one thing, that one question, that one moment where they say yes to somebody that makes such a big change, you know, and, yeah, and yes puts them on a whole different path. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that, you know, it's that preparation meets opportunity. You know, if you just, if you keep playing, if you keep practicing, if you keep writing and then, Every, you know, sometimes a door opens, and 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 uh, you know, I try to tell um, my younger friends who are you know musicians and artists, it's like just just keep doing it and don't be afraid. Like, don't ever not do something just out of fear, because why not? Why not mm-hmm. try different things? And why not? You know, if the worst thing that happens is that you fail, then great. Then you can learn something from that, and you can shell forward, as as people say, and and um. And use that to your advantage, but but the journey becomes your life. And so, if you if you're lucky enough to get to to you know do different things, and but it, it's almost like it doesn't matter because as long as you are giving your time and energy to your art, whether it's, I mean mm-hmm. to me it's music. So to the music, then that means that I have lived my life as a musician, you know. And there's been different times where I've gotten to be on a big stage there's times where I'm on a small stage but it doesn't really matter it what matters most to me is like do I feel good about the songs did did I play well did I connect with people because it's a live art form like did I connect with people um during the show did they get something out of it I mean and when that happens Mm. it doesn't matter how big the stage is and it doesn't matter how many people are there because that's the whole that's the gift that's the goal that's why I fell in love with music in the first place because of that connection do you feel your soul's purpose um, being fulfilled when you play? And also, I want to ask you too: What's it like when you're on stage like that? And and like you said, you know, you feel like you've grown so much. You went to a musician, you played different instruments for people, and being on the road and the way you learned from each. I'm sure there's different things you've learned from each one um, and each experience that bring you to where you are now. What is it like when you play different things to different people and you feel, and I, and I love to ask you what musicians answer this, the audience response to you. Can you, when you feel that, when you see them look into something that's happened to them spiritually or emotionally or spiritually with them, and I know you've got that. Oh, you cut out for a second. I missed the last last bit of the question I think. Okay. So so that, that exchange of emotion and energy with the audience, mm-hmm. what is that like or how does that feel? And and do you remember when you first started feeling that? Yeah. Well I first started feeling it as an audience member. <laughs> oh, you know, yeah. And it's okay. and it it is it is the energy. It's it's that connection. And I, I do think that um you know music is this powerful way to communicate as human beings because it doesn't matter I mean as much as I love words and I'm I'm a language person music transcends that you know you can listen to songs that are in languages that are foreign to you and still feel 
the emotion behind it. And I think that that's, um, that's what happens in that connection, you know? Um, and when you're performing, when you, when you achieve that, I mean, I mean, it's almost like there's nothing better. It's so, it's, it's, beautiful it's humbling it's really a gift it's a celebration um it makes me feel better about being a human being <laughs> you know i think especially in these days when there's there's so much negativity and stuff and it's like to be able to commune with other people with strangers um and create something together because i do think it's you know it becomes it completes the circuit almost like when you have the the energy flowing um, and it's a given return that it just, it, it's transcendent, you know, and you can feel it the whole route, like at the, we just played a CD release party at Eddie's on November 3rd. And it was one of those shows. It was really a special night. And um, there was a lot of love and support in the room, but there, but it, the, the show, you know, it was like, it became this, the music connected and it just, it's like the whole room vibrates or something and everybody feels it and everybody mm. knows that it's like, wow. And you and you carry that with you, you know. It's just because it is a live, live art form. It happens in the moment, and then the moment's over. And but everybody who was there and experienced it knows, and it's it's an amazing thing. It really is. Fantastic. Why don't we go ahead and uh, play something from the new CD now? Sure. And yeah. what would you like for me to play? A uh, slow burning, or that's all right by me. This is your chance to go get a glass of water or something, but you got to come back, okay? All right. Okay. okay. And here we go. That's all right by me from now by Sonia Tetla. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's all right by me. So you tell me. All right. Love, love, love that. <laughs> hey, hey, girl. That's when I got to tell you, you know, and, and you know from, from all the CDs that you've loved, all the music you've loved from artists that, that you are fans of, when you hear something like that, you know, you hope no matter what you hear about the making of records and the making of sausage or two things you don't want to know about, <laughs> but I think I read that in some record magazine many years ago, and I've heard musicians and producers say it. But you got to know that from our point of view, we hope that it's as much fun for you to play, record, as it is for us to listen. Oh, my God, yeah. And, and honestly, that's one of the... Uh one of my personal goals with recording because it makes me it makes me like the record better. If I didn't have fun making a record, then I will never listen to it ever again. <laughs> you know, you have all those associ- all the associations of whatever happened in the studio and the energy. And um, so, when I asked my friend Ben Williams if he would produce this record, and because I wanted to do some different things, and you know, I I told I I essentially had I think I had three goals. Like I wanted to. Um, have fun doing it. I wanted to, you know, um, use some different sounds, incorporate some different stuff like the synthesizer and the keyboard and, um, and, and make a rock record. Like that's it. But, but the fun part was just as important as the other two, because it, um, and I also think the energy then translates into the, the actual recording. Like you can hear it that we had fun. Definitely. And by the way, if you're listening live and you want to call in and talk to, to Sonia or me, the number six four six seven one six nine nine two two, which Blog Talk Radio assures me is a toll free call in the continental U.S. And see, so yeah, so talk about um, so, so the producer of the record was Ben Williams, Philip Philip. Okay, and how how did he come to produce the record for you? How did you choose him or? How did that match up? Well, I, I first met Ben years ago. He's a, a bass player also. And um, I knew him as a bass player because um, Hannah Th- Thomas hired us both for a gig. So he was on bass and I was on guitar and banjo. Um, it was at a, a club in Nashville. And so that's the first time I met Ben. And, you know, he's just got a great vibe. He's so fun to work with. We had a great time on the on the gig. He's a, a wonderful musician and bass player. Um, and so then our paths crossed in different capacities. When he would be playing with, like, he was playing bass with the Shadow Boxers, and I was playing banjo with Roxy Watson, and we did a festival together. And, um, and then on a Midwest tour with Paul Sanchez, um, our, my friend Mary Lissang was going to, play bass on that tour and she tore her Achilles tendon like two days before we were supposed to leave for the tour and so I called Ben and I was like hey is there any chance that you're available (laughs) and you would do this you know not knowing any not knowing any of the music but I knew that he could I knew that he could learn it on the fly and 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 I knew that it would be fun to you know travel with him and that Paul would love him and and he did he filled in last minute and we just had the best time I mean when you're all in a van driving to the Midwest and stuff that you spend a lot of time together and, and it was great. And so we just, you know, became friends over the years and, um, and he's a lot younger than me too. I should say that too. Like he's, um, you know, which is fun for me to be around that energy. And, and anyways, in the last couple of years, he'd started sharing tracks with me that he was producing and, um, they just sounded awesome and was totally unexpected. You know, they just, some different sounds, working with different artists. And I just, you know, I so appreciated that he was sharing the side of himself with me because I just knew him as a bass player. So when I um, made the decision to step away from Roxy Watson, again, just because I felt like creatively it had run its course for me and, and um, yeah, I'd written, I was writing all these rock songs and I just felt like I really needed to to focus on that. Um and, and try to just do one thing instead of all these different things, and and I wanted to mix it up. Like I, you know, my last couple of solo records I produced and had all these different folks on, and um, and I just wanted to I wanted something different. And so I asked him. I just we were at Eddie's attic after a show and on the deck, and um, I said, you know, I have all these songs and they're real rhythm based, and I hear these different sounds, and I wanted to rock, and I just I kind of want to be out of my head and just. Um, and just play. And I said, you know, what do you think about working with me on this and producing it? And, and he was totally into it. I, I shared, 
the demos of the songs that I had worked up at my house and he really dug them and and he said he just he really got what I was hoping to to do and how I wanted them to sound with the band and and he reached out to some friends of his um Josh Birmingham on drums who I'd worked with before he's an incredible drummer I love playing with him um Matt Henderson on keys and Jimmy Bones McAlpin who I had not played with before um and they play in a a funk jam band called Dank and you know I'd never played with a funk jam band before but something that I mean Ben Ben was so right like when we all got together to rehearse it like it just worked like they totally got my music and it just it just really worked and so kudos to Ben because I think that that's you know a, a good portion of what a good producer does is that they tap the right people for the project and and you know bring people together to make music together because it's sort of an intimate thing like you know these are my songs and all this and and it just it, it worked I love the vibe I love the music I love working with those guys um I'm looking we're going to go down and play a show in New Orleans on December 2nd I'm so excited to play with them all again because it's just really fun so that's how it all came to be Ben came through you know when you talk about when you talk about playing with Ben and, and being younger than you and the traveling you know I think and this is just from uh from my years playing uh with the band actually fronting my group the Jennifer Perry combo I always found that mm-hmm. that um music is one thing you can do to where whether you're playing with people uh younger than you older than you uh from different places origins what do they call it race creed color whatever Height, yep. you know, it doesn't matter. There's still a connection and an energy you can share. There's always something you can learn, and people are always open. And there's just a different kind of excitement with that. And when it's good and when everybody's, I don't know, sometimes when it's just me and my husband playing, he always says, I wish that I could put a USB cable between our brains so you know when I want to change something up. <laughs> but, you know, so, so, yeah, me too, honey, me too. But but I know that with musicians, um you know, sometimes with the different people, and sometimes maybe if I've got a musician that has to has to drop out for whatever reason, and maybe they'll suggest their own sub or find somebody, and it can take you in different directions, but still, it doesn't matter what the age or whatever. Unlike other jobs, you still click in and you you just raise your energy, you share, you learn from each other, and it's fun, and everybody seems more open to what this person does or doesn't do um, in a certain way or trying something different. There's, I think there's nothing like that kind of energy, and I think that sort of ramps up the, the quality and the fun for, for the musicians as well as the audience. You know, and Absolutely. Not many, not many gigs where you can get that, that kind of feeling. Um, yeah. Tell me about Again, some of the other can, people. Can, can, oh, I was gonna say again, no, it's no, that no. communion Keep going, thing, you know. It's that, it's yeah. that, it's that connection where you, you just sort of commune. It's fun for me too, because in all my bands, I was always the youngest. I just always have been for the longest time. And now in this, you know, because I'm playing with all these, you know, young guys, it's like it's the tables have turned, and I have to say, I'm really enjoying it. It's so fun. So that it makes me realize it's like, <laughs> oh, I've kind of, I've learned some things along the way. How about that? <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> that is funny. So, uh, yeah, I know sometimes when then there's nothing like a good gig, you know, and when um, no matter what else has gone wrong in your day or the life or even if the load-in was a, was a pain in the downtown connector, still nothing like the, the vibration and, and the effect of a good gig. Or I used to say mm-hmm. sometimes with mine I felt like I was the – you know, when your name's on the band, you take the fame or the blame, right? Right, right. That people don't realize. You take the fame or the blame. So if it's good, you know, um, then it's, everybody's good. But if one person is just not pulling their weight or does something bad or they're, you know, too buzzed to play, then they don't want to think, oh, it must have been the, you know, the rhythm section drag or whatever it's always been. Well, it's the Jennifer Perry band or Sonia Tello uh, then they think of, of the whole thing, but when everybody's right on, I don't know. I, I don't know if this happens to you, but with mine, it would be like some people. Sometimes you just kind of get wound up and sort of like jam on out on the song more than you intended to. And I often felt like I was um, 
I can uh, I couldn't afford for anybody but me to be the weakest link in the group. But when they were really going, um, it didn't matter if if they were just jamming out and just took on a life of their own with the song. I always felt often felt like I was the headmistress at a school for um, immensely gifted yet very mischievous musicians. <laughs> and I was fine with that. <laughs> that sounds about right. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, when yeah. My, yeah, my friend, my friend Paul Sanchez has told me many wise things over the years. Um, but one thing he told me early on was always try to play with people who are better than you because that's how you learn, you know. And um, but I also think one of the great gifts of being of playing in bands, it's really sort of been a life lesson is that I mean, I've fronted bands over the years, but I've also been a side person in the bands. And um and you just really, uh, or I've really come to appreciate and, and understand over time um, the importance of listening. I mean, I think when I started out, because I was the front person and everything, it, you know, I was leading stuff. And, and and then, you know, starting with Cowboy Mouse and then with, with Paul and Roxy Watson, it's like the listening is the most important part. And it becomes this thing where, you know, you're just so focused on everybody else and what's going on and the totality of it that um, I like that. I, I think, you know, we have two ears and one mouth and we never, we never seem to get the proportion right between listening and talking, you know? <laughs> um, so I just, well I think, it's, I think playing, playing in bands is a good thing. It's it's kind of like waiting tables. Everybody should do it. It makes you a better person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I say everybody should work retail. Okay. And customer service. Yeah. Everybody should have to do yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Tell us if you were to describe uh, your, your new your new album, your new CD now, if you were to describe it in, in regards to, say, the sonic palette or, uh, or, and or the people that are involved in it, how would you describe that to us and, and talk about the people as well? Well, sonically, I was really going through uh, or going for um, something that is, is, you know, contemporary but also has um, – little nod to my childhood in the 80s, you know, with the synthesizers and some of the, you know, I, I love pop music. You wouldn't know it from my catalog, but I really do. <laughs> um, and I love dancing. Um, I love dancing. And so I, I wanted these to be, you know, they're rhythm-based songs intentionally, and I wanted them to come across like that. So, like, when people listen to them, that they move, or if they're at a show and I'm playing them, their bodies are actually moving and they're, and they're not just looking at me. You know what I mean? That they're, they are moved by the music and then also moved by the music, hopefully because of the lyrics. And, um, and so that was, that was the soundscape that I was going for. And I, I think Ben and Josh and Matt and Jimmy in the band really brought that to life. Um, and then we also had, um, some guest vocalists. So, um, uh, one of my musical heroes, but also a friend, Amy Ray from Indigo Girls, came and sang on two of the songs because um, she has such a beautiful and resonant voice, and she has a, she has mm-hmm. a power that I I just don't have. Like my voice is sort of breathy and stuff like that. And so on um, Hard Fought Year in particular, I really um, I really just you know she added so much to it, and then Trip Line um, to. And um, and then another Atlanta artist, Searsha, um, also came and sang harmonies on several of the songs. And she's such a beautiful voice and is a beautiful person. And um, and Josh and Ben also sang some harmonies on it. And so, you know, I really feel like it. it um, in doing this project, one of the things I'm so grateful for is that, you know, my name's on the record and I wrote the songs, but it really felt like this collective effort to bring them to life and on an album and record them, you know, to, to have this snapshot in time of this is what they sounded like, you know, that week that we did them. And, and, um, cause everybody gave so much of themselves to it creatively and otherwise. And, um, I love that. It feels like a we thing, like not a me thing, but a we thing. And it makes me love it even more because of that, because I hear everybody in it and, um, you know, there's there's still surprises sometimes when I listen to it. I'm like, oh, I didn't hear that before. That's cool. You know, so <laughs> yeah. there's a richness to it that I like. Yeah, I, I yes, definitely. And I find that too. We're listening to this. when um, 
And I guess that would, too, be like, you know, trusting your, your creation, your baby, with other people to help you uh, mm-hmm. further produce it or visualize it or, or raise it almost. You're from New Orleans, mm-hmm. um, but you're based in Atlanta, and you recorded now in Atlanta. But did did that have an impact on the record? Oh, yeah, I think for sure. Um, you know, I've been sort of splitting time between New Orleans and Atlanta for a long time. And um, the solo album I did in 2012, I recorded in New Orleans. The one I did in 2014, I recorded half in New Orleans and half in Atlanta. Um, and then this year, it's like I'm here. I don't have a place in New Orleans anymore. I'm just I'm just here. And I think that you can, you know, and having Ben and all the guys, I mean, they're, they're Atlanta guys, um, well, and Tertia and Amy too, and and I, I think that there's just stylistically you can you can hear it. There's just a different approach to it. Um, I'm still me. Like some of the songs, the rhythms, and I'm like, don't hold me to it and stuff like that. You can still hear the, the New Orleans the New Orleans influence. I mean, that's, that's just part of me. That's not going to go away. But um, but it's nice. I mean, yeah, I specifically wanted to do something different and and to to hear some different stuff and. You know, Ben and I have talked about it, and he said, because um, he has a real appreciation for the the richness of New Orleans music and the history and, and everything. Um, so it, it's, you know, no disrespect at all. But at the same time, I think because Atlanta is sort of um, still still evolving and there's there's so many there's so much newness here in different ways that people try all sorts of different things. Like there's not because you don't have that sort of um, – you don't have the same kind of history of like traditional jazz music or Dixieland jazz or, you know, like nobody's really feels compelled to have to um, put in nods to, to things. They're just trying new things. I mean, it's really, there's an emphasis on new and different and, um, and experimentation. And I think that that all influenced the record. I mean, you can definitely hear it and anybody who, you know, has, has, been interested in my work over the years when they hear this record they'll hear like oh this is different <laughs> but that's good <laughs> that's what I wanted that's, that's, that was that was the whole point so I think definitely it, it, it had an influence if, if you don't mind me mentioning this because I also want to ask you some other things about songwriting and so forth or your mm-hmm. approach to songwriting but um, one of my best friends interviewed you for Atlanta in town, Colin Kelly. Yeah, Colin. I love Colin. He's such yeah. a great writer. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Colin. Yes. Yeah. You read his. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's great. And we've been friends for, I think just, uh, actually probably 20 years or a little bit longer than that. And, mm-hmm. uh, just adore him. But I had been reading his, uh, he the feature on you in Atlanta in town. And he said, uh, if, if you don't mind me sharing this, if you put it on here, he said, uh, Tetlow says the genesis of now came after her father was diagnosed with dementia and then suffered a debilitating stroke. She was going back and forth from Atlanta to New Orleans to see her dad, which gave her plenty of time to reflect on mortality and life. And then he further continues that the trips home, you know, puts you in a reflective mood about your beginnings as a musician and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um so does that reflect it a lot in your lyrics or, or the feel with things? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that, um, A, I think that there's a lot of my dad in this record. There's one song that I dedicated to him specifically. Um, but I think that's part of the reason why there's such a theme about time because I did do a lot of reflecting. I mean, you can't, or I can't. Not, I mean, there's it's been a lot of time in the car driving, but also a lot of time just sitting with my father um, when he was declining, and and just thinking about life, thinking about my life certainly, but but thinking about his life, you know, as as a human mm-hmm. being, but also as a parent, uh, you know, and thinking about his perspective as, uh, you know, he had I have two sisters, so he had three daughters. <laughs> watching us all go through life and different things and and um you know there's i mean there's there's a lot of heavy stuff to wade through but ultimately to mm-hmm. to try to get to a point of um of celebration both uh, because mm-hmm. 
life is short even I mean he lived a long time and um yeah but it's still short it goes so quickly and and so um mm-hmm. all, all of that is definitely a big part of the record and I think it's a big part of the reason why I felt the need to you know step away from the other bands and just and just try to focus on one thing and because it's I, it, there was it was too much it was too much to try to Mm-hmm. Deal with everything that was going on in life, and 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 then try to do all this different stuff musically, yeah. and creatively. And I clearly, from a from my own internal creative standpoint, was being pulled in this very singular direction. Um, and so, you know, it takes me a while to get to that point to realize that it's time to let go of things and just mm-hmm. sort of like surrender to the moment. Like this is, yeah, this is what's happening. This yeah. is what's happening in life, and you need to give your time and energy to it because these are this is a precious time and I wanted to be present for it um and then and at the same time so so very grateful that I had this project to work on afterwards because it felt positive and it felt like a a way to honor things in a way um and it just gave me an outlet you know because there's a lot Mm -hmm. of emotions when your parent dies so yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. so very sorry about that. Um, so very sorry, but the thing um, it's, it's something that you know. As I know, it was me being a, a little older than you. Yet, yeah, at a certain age, where we have to start uh, thinking of that and dealing with things like that. So, and it does. Mm-hmm. It does has a different reflection on things that you're thinking or, or your view, viewpoints of things, your your uh, point of view. Um, to to go back to uh, Cowboy Mouth. I know that uh, Colin mentioned in here that um, while you, you say, th- during your three years of Cowboy Mouth, that um, some of the some things <laughs> in it were that uh, a touring with them as a full-time member were high-profile gigs such as uh, being on Ellen, uh, New Orleans Jazz mm-hmm. Festival, and at race car driver Danica Patrick's wedding. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's got to be such a rush, all of that. I mean... Oh tell yeah. Me some, I mean, tell, you got to have some fun stories you can share. No, no dirt on anybody. We don't put any dirt out here, but it, just some fun stories. No. Well, I mean, the the crazy thing about playing music is that you just find yourself in the most peculiar situations sometimes, like sort of outside the realm of of what seems normal. I mean, there's the the music itself and the shows, and I mean, sometimes you. I mean, the first time we played Jazz Fest, I think we played in in front of like fifty or sixty thousand people, and it was just awe-inspiring. I mean, you can't even really conceive of the energy that's coming off of people and, and all of that. And um, But then there's random things like Danica Patrick's wedding where, you know, she and her husband were fans. <laughs> and, just, and she had a hell of a handshake, too. Let me tell you that. She's tiny, 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 you know, and but when she came over and she shook my hand and I felt like I was towering over her, I was like, oh, my God, she's crushing my hand. I'm not going to be able to play. Like, she's powerful. She's a powerful <laughs> woman. Um, and then, you know, I never really I followed race car driving, but I was always rooting for her after that. Um, they just, you know, one, the the Blue Angels were a fan of the band and they invited us on a on, to come and fly with them. And so... Paul and Fred didn't, but Griffin and I did. So I flew in an FA-18 Hornet with the Blue Angels oh. <laughs> over oh. over the Gulf of Mexico. Wow. I mean, I went super. I went supersonic. <laughs> That's. I mean, it inspired the song Supersonic that that then wrote for uh, Voodoo Shop. But it was just. I mean, there was the craziest <laughs> things that would happen. I mean, you know, because you're kind of outside the bounds of. You know how in the Matrix you can kind of like they have the world and then they have the the world behind the world. It feels like that sometimes, where you just sort of, yeah. you know, kind of go in and out of what seems real. But it's also that people invite you into their lives in a way that that it's because of the music, you know, because you're a str- I'm like I'm a stranger, you know, but but there's something shared there that's so human and and so so deeply felt that people invite you into their into their world and into their homes and into their lives in a way that that um is is very profound and is very humbling to me. I I try to I try mm-hmm. to recognize it and, and be very conscious of it and, and honor it because it's such a gift. I, you know, and also because it's like all 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 the folks who have allowed me to play music for all these years, you know, I mean it's really it's such a gift. I just feel so incredibly grateful for everything. 
But I will say, you know, with all the like sort of flashy things, like I, I think some of the shows that I've played in tiny clubs with a handful of people were equally, if not more profound because, because of the connection, you know, it just is, that's why it doesn't really matter. You have to just inhabit the space and inhabit the moment and, and trust in your music and what you're doing and, and, um, and, mm-hmm. you know, just give it, give it your all. That's, that's yeah. the whole point. I remember, you never know who's listening to you. You never know well, who's fan. That's true. <laughs> That's for sure. All right. Well, before we go, and this this is just kind of flown by faster than than even I expected. Uh, before you before we let you go, and I'm going to close out with another song, uh, "Slow Burning" from now. But uh, tell us where you're going to be next, and how people can find you. And of course, if you're listening, you know that I will be sharing uh, Sonia's social media connects contacts or handles on all of mine as well but tell us where you'll be soon and where people can find out about you and where sure. you uh, well, where they can see you live okay well besides the website or besides social media i should say i have a website called tetlomusic.com um and next i'm flying up to chicago to um, play this weekend and then then it's thanksgiving holidays and then going down with the band to new orleans to play at the beginning of december and then and then I'm taking a break for the holidays, and then we'll kind of go from there. But it's it's been pretty crazy the last few months, and so we're gonna we're gonna do that, and then see what happens in the new year. All right, Tetlo is it TetloMusic.com? Yes, that's it. Mm-hmm. All right, so look that up. I just want to thank you for uh, being so generous with your time tonight. You give me all the time, and like I said, I've Please come back again sometime. Please do. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to talk with you, Jennifer. It's great to reconnect. Well, it, it was great to reconnect with you as well, and and uh, it's an absolute joy. Uh, before we go, I want to say too, if you're listening live, remember my Jennifer Irwin's book, "Address the Color of the Sky," is for sale right now, one ninety nine for the Kindle on Amazon, and that's only good for about thirty six more hours. Um, go to tetlowmusic.com and all of uh, Sonia Tetlow's. Info will be on all of my social media, uh, so you can get that. And uh, we're going to close out with the song Slow Burning from now. And uh, Sonia, thank you so much. Uh, and delighted to have you here and wish you all the best success. Thanks so much. You too. Take care. All right.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.